hey guys uh, welcome everyone to the latest episode of sas sessions podcast i hope you are listening to this podcast from a safe place and uh, i hope you have isolated and quarantined yourself so i have an amazing and exciting guest with me on the show today i have drew nesier he is an award winning marketer author and entrepreneur he is also the founder and ceo of frenigid a new york based marketing agency as well as he is the author of the cmo's periodic table a renegade's guide to marketing not only this he also hosts the renegade thinkers unite podcast on which they focus on marketing innovators uncovering how what and why behind the ongoing success so hey drew welcome to the podcast hey snell uh, great to be here wait so so we, tell us tell me about you drew like where are you based and uh, you know answering the burning question like how is this coronavirus situation in your locality I I live in New York City with my wife and dog. We've got two kids who are all grown up and also live in in New York City. And I would say this is uh New York City is it feels like a ghost town right now. Uh people are adhering to the uh stay at home spirit and it's it's a little bizarre because if you go out to walk the dog, there are very few people on the streets and and that's a good thing, but it's a very strange thing. I get I can see so like so in this in this whole pandemic right so what does so you being into the marketing industry since about like 27 years so you have seen a lot of such situations i think i i guess so what does these pandemics and these crisis situations like you know mean for marketers well first i i have to admit i i've actually been in it for 40 years so <laughs> oh okay i i you just I took some <laughs> no you just took some age uh, off of it which i appreciate yeah. but so you know the you the tendency is to want to make this crisis feel like a other crisis obviously here in new york we went through uh, 911 and that was a traumatic moment i had my agency at that time was was quite young and we could actually see the towers just from outside our office and it was an indeed a traumatic moment it was always a, it was my first sort of introduction to how leaders step up during crises but this mm-hmm. uh, I, and i had and i I learned a lot from that both as a as a leader and a and a observer but I have to say this is quite different than than 9/11 and I I see it as right. different because for for several reasons one this is a global issue and this is one that whereas 9/11 it was traumatic and horrible and and the city came to a close it was just a moment in time the the challenge with the coronavirus is we just don't know how long this is going to go on and mm-hmm. the lingering impact economically is 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 frankly far greater than than the 911 so the the level of 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 impact that this is having on not just marketers but everybody is there's just no comparison to anything in our lifetimes right so not not sure like how 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 many times we have been in this situation but i think like the coronavirus has got all the world talking about like one same thing in like a really 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 long time what do you think about i think that's true i i think that this is the the one topic that that unites us and it's sort of ironic because it it's really reflective of the global world that we live in if you if you ever wanted to deny that this is a uh, proof that we we live in a, in a global in a global village and and we're all we're all in this together and there's so many issues that we face mm-hmm. on a global level and and this is certainly one where a concerted 
uh, global response could have helped us all. So I, th I think there's, there's going to be a lot of lessons on a geopolitical that, that people will live on. That's not my area of expertise, but I, I think mm -hmm. so. I think the other point that you're making is interesting is that one thing I'm noticing in, on a corporate level and on an individual level is an increased empathy in, in a, yeah. a place where, which was really absent in the, at least in the uh, conversation in the United States prior to this. And I'm getting all, I don't know about you, but I'm getting uh, texts and phone calls from mm -hmm. all sorts of people I haven't heard from in a long time. And everybody just saying, you okay? And take <laughs> care and, and, and mm -hmm. is, is everything all right? And I, I think that basic human empathy is, is 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 a wonderful thing. It's it's a shame that it takes a crisis like this to to bring it out. Right. I think during times of these or uh, such situations, uh, people forget like you know people forget the borders or people forget the countries or sort of that the world has created and they they just unite as a as like humans. It's just like you said. So like and this is like a once in a like in a long 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 time like situation. And so many, many people would not be, you know, prepared for the situation, obviously. So how do you like, you know, as marketers, like uh, there who is always be looking out for some of the opportunities from some such situations. So how should like marketers take an advantage of this situation without exploiting the situations? Because I think this is a very critical topic as of now for marketers to touch. So there are a lot of companies I've seen, like, you know, who's doing some things on this topic hunters. Who are, and some companies who are totally avoiding this topic but you know you you i think you are like all companies are in that stage like you you have to touch the topic without touching the topic right and without hurting some people's feelings you have to still go the camp run the campaigns you have to still run the business so how should like you know marketers go about building like contingency plan because they have not been through this situation ever before and they've not experienced what what works in such situations what does not work and again you being in this industry for long and i think you've seen some of the situations like you told about 911 and uh, like few more maybe you know during the some some recession crisis in the us and some some other situations as well so how do you go about you know uh, building well, like I, contingency I, plan yeah i think this is we we have to it's a, that's a big question and it's a great question and i don't know if anybody really knows the answer but let's break it down i think uh -huh. there was the immediate response and I think right. that, in fact, that was pretty clear what everybody needed to do. And just about everybody has done that. In fact, it's sort of old news at this point. But the immediate thing is take care of your employees, your customers, and, and yeah. anybody in your community. And so that meant building uh, your remote workforce. And for some companies, that was really easy because they already had a large percent. And for some companies who had nothing, and I talked to a CMO last week who had they had a hundred percent in office workforce. So they uh -huh. had no capacity whatsoever. And it took them uh, a good 10 to 14 days to get the infrastructure set up. They needed a virtual private network that they didn't have. They had uh -huh. to get office chairs for people who were working from home. They had to set up Slack channel. I mean, they had just a whole infrastructure. And I think you know, everybody uh -huh. will welcome having a remote workforce now and in fact that you know there's a lot of talk of how this will permanently change the way companies work because they're suddenly realizing whoa we can actually do this pretty well i i do want to say I, i'm of of the mind that you know there will be this swing to remote 
but you know, people who come back together and are actually working face to face, I'm ultimately convinced will be uh, more productive uh, because we're just, if you're in a creative industry, you just solve problems faster when you're together. So that's a problem that's very hard to solve virtually, although others will argue with me in Silicon Valley. So that's the, so, you know, building, getting your employees, what, what this, this term business continuity has suddenly become everywhere where you have to reassure to your customers that your business is operational, even though you're a hundred percent remote. And so right. that took, took a lot of energy. And so just getting on the phone with a marketer this week was challenging because they spent their whole time figuring out continuity issues. What are right. we doing about customer service when we were used to having customer service, everybody was working in a warehouse somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how do we do that now when they're not in a warehouse? So there's these, these massive issues that lots of companies were dealing with that, that had to be resolved. So that's right. been, I think, taken all the air out of the room for the last two to three weeks. Now, do you yeah. want to talk about the longer term impact? Impact that's that's a much more interesting conversation, but it's also one that uh, is pretty speculative. Right. So yeah. So in 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 a gist, if you can tell us about what's the longer term impact, right? Because we don't know like when this is going to stop. No one knows, and no one also knows like if this stops, let's say in like in some a few months. So what's what after that? Like you know, this this whole three or four months in or the first uh, few months of 2020 would be you know remembered for a long, long, long time and a lot of uh, learnings that could be made out of this. So if you could like, you know, give a gist of what could be the longer term impact of such situations in the future or what can well, people actually, companies actually learn from these situations? Well, I think the first, the first question that every company has to say is, you know, are we going to survive this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the econo- economic impact of this is, is still difficult to measure. I mean, it's easy if you're in the hospitality or travel um, or leisure business because you're, you, know, you have no income. It's ground to a halt. And if you were a software service company that was primarily dependent on those industries, you're going to feel it immediately. And they're looking for ways to get out of their contracts, to reduce their fees. And so if you're supporting, let's say you're a company who is working with an industry that has just been devastated, like the restaurant business, then this is a moment as a, as a company where you really have to think about how do I help our customers? How do we help our customers survive? Are there bridge loans? Are there discounts? Are there, can we waive fees for 12 months? Can we create new support things? And this is where I think companies, you know, a lot of companies like to say they're purpose-driven, you know, that we're here for our employees, we're here for our customers. This is a moment where that purpose is going to be tested. And so I, I think the companies mm-hmm. that can, and this is going to be really interesting. I mean, some companies literally can't afford to say, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to waive all our fees for the next six <laughs> months to try to help you survive, right? Because mm-hmm. then they yeah. can't survive. And I, I think every company uh, is going to try to meet payroll. And, and so this right. is where, you know, this is where if you're marketing during the COVID virus, you know, you, you, you have an obligation to try to keep your company alive. And so that perspective, I think, is really important to think about. So if you're still spending money on marketing and advertising, I don't think you need to feel guilty about it. I think you just have to be really careful 
that any of the messages that you're sending don't seem like ambulance chasing, <laughs> right? <laughs> that you're, that yeah. you're taking advantage of this thing. But mm -hmm. we have, a, you know, as business owners, we have an obligation to keep our companies alive. And, and so marketing is one of the ways that, that you do that. And I, and I believe that marketers can really step up. So you have this sort of very dynamic challenge going on right now. You have to keep your business alive. You have to help your customers stay alive. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, you know, honestly, there's no playbook here. There really isn't. Right. And it, it's completely dependent on, on where your your business is in its development cycle. And I talked to, this week I talked to some companies that see their business growing in this moment for, yeah. and you just, you sort of go, are amazed, but they happen to be in business critical areas where suddenly the demand is actually growing, even despite the, the what I'll call an economic meltdown. Right, so uh, I saw you, I noticed that you talked about survival, right? Uh, that's like, because in such situations, survival is the first thing companies should focus on. But, but I think, you know, survival is the necessity for startups and, and, and necessity is the mother of all inventions. So during the 2008 recession, when, when such crisis happened in the US, so many, many, there were many new companies that came into existence. So a lot of, you know, innovation happening during the crisis situation. So WhatsApp, Twilio, Airbnb, Uber, and more great companies were created. So do you think like uh, from this situation, like what we are in, so once we emerge out of this, so a lot of, a lot of new companies or new innovations would come into existence? I, I think you're right. I think that uh, 2008 was a, a spawning of it. And I was, again, I was talking to a different CMO who's Silicon Valley based, and he said, he had a friend who just closed a venture fund that raised a couple billion and they have obligations to invest that money. So there will be money to invest in, in new businesses. And so certainly the, you would expect there will be a lot of new businesses in the world of remote working, right? Right. Uh, all, all, all of the problems that we're facing, whether it's just connecting with with our fellow employees or our customers i think that you know you're going to see some new communication channels emerge as as you know millions more people are on slack right now well there will right. be def mm -hmm. there'll be deficiencies that we'll see there as as more companies jump in to form facebook groups for their various vertical targets mm -hmm. you'll see deficiencies there so i, I suspect there will be lots and lots in terms of remote workforce related. I think another area that is just ripe for innovation that hasn't happened is, so all these events were canceled. And right. uh, I would say on average, companies in B2B companies depend on events for 5 to 25% of their lead flow. It's pretty large uh, to, yeah. for some companies. And suddenly that's gone. And mm -hmm. For those companies that were able to get reclaim that event dollars, not all of it's reclaimable because some of them are just postponing, so they're not giving the money back. But so let's say you could reclaim those dollars and you still want to do events. Well, people are rushing to do webinars and mm -hmm. rushing to do sort of, uh, I'll, I'll call them live conferences or virtual conferences. And, and mm -hmm. frankly, they're very unsatisfying. <laughs> that, that software, people have been talking about that for 20 years, mm -hmm. and there's still, to me, uh, a lack of 
quality experience that makes it sort of urgent enough to do it. I mean, I, I, I was supposed to go to Vegas last week for a huge Adobe conference and I didn't go. And so they moved it virtual and they didn't get one minute of my time. And I, I just, it, there's no sense of urgency, right? You just don't feel like it. Now, right. there are folks like, and this is interesting, Ted, TED Talks, which is a very popular um, format of uh, viewing where people speak for 20 minutes and they're trained and they have a very specific way of doing it. And you know the quality is going to be good. Right. If, if somebody were to say, we're going to do a TED style conference and it's only available at this moment, mm-hmm. then, then I think you, you might be able to, if you were proven to be, proven to be a high quality producer of uh, virtual content, then I think that you, you might have a chance of getting attention. Anyway, long way of saying uh-huh. there's going to be a need for replacement for events, at least in the short term. And mm-hmm. somebody's going to come up with some brilliant solutions there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So uh, like there are a lot of softwares or there are a lot of tools out there which allows you to move your event virtually. But again, as you said, like those are not mature enough to you know handle or give that kind of experience that that you get in like a, you know you have when you attend a physical event and i think that was there because there was no burning requirement from a lot of companies there's no demand uh, for running virtual events since there's no such situations but i think you know once we go out of this there are a lot of companies who will be you know creating high quality tools and softwares for running virtual events so that you know and most of the companies would even start one and then continue doing that on year on year basis or something like that well so, it's funny you, you, i was thinking about that too and i i think most of us it's it's like we've gone into hibernation hiber uh-huh. you know like like bears in the winter and i think <laughs> that once this crisis is over the demand and appreciation for events is going to skyrocket Right. So to the extent that you could focus on that and come up with innovations to make those event experiences better and to connect them to digital more, I think mm-hmm. will be where the real opportunity is. Because the last thing, after spending all our time indoors at our homes, the last thing we're all going to want to do in six months is keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And and so talking about, you know, uh, employees, so have you ever managed like remote employee team or remote workforce? So again, I think I mentioned earlier on the companies that already had virtual workforces had a had a real head start here. Uh, and one of the CMOs I interviewed, his 40% of his his workforce was remote. So they yeah. offered a lot of tips and, and I and I we followed them. I mean it's funny yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. The Renegade team had a virtual happy hour, and there were there we were all had our cocktails uh, made at uh, mm-hmm. five fifteen uh, in the evening, and we just chatted about our week and what was going on wherever we were, and and, and people really appreciated it. And again, I think that leaders step up at a moment like this and say, "All right, we're human. We need to talk about human things because so often leaders." Mm-hmm. It, tend to focus on what's the task that need to be done. Okay, everybody, let's get together and talk about the task. And mm-hmm. this is a this is a real human moment. And, and I think so lots of the CMOs I've talked to are talking about virtual uh, virtual coffee breaks and creating Peloton groups so that people want to exercise at the same time. They can do it together virtually. You've got people creating Slack channels 
that are just for a very specific uh, hobby or something within a company so mm -hmm. that, that people can, can get together. And, I, and it really, leaders need to embrace this kind of thing. Now, what I do have, have noticed is that there are a lot more of what they call these stand-up meetings where yeah. uh, leaders are saying, okay, it's every morning at 9 a.m., we're all gonna stand up, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna turn on our Zoom cameras and we're gonna very quickly run down what the, the priorities of the day are. And there are, there's so much urgency right now to address so many different issues, whether it's business continuity issues or how are we gonna shift our dollars or what are we gonna do to replace the loss in events or you know in creating contingency plans that i think they're the leaders are saying we need to stay close we need to communicate and since we're not together we probably need to over communicate mm -hmm. at least in the short term right and and how does this all of this you know new change that has been come uh, like to new companies who are you know sort of new to whole, the whole work from home thing or remote working thing so how does this affect their business continuity uh, in terms of marketing teams and uh, do you think like it's going to affect the ma marketing team's productivity in in any sort of way you know it's funny i heard somebody say i can't remember who it was is is that people who are lazy are going to be lazy anywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but people who are not are 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 going to be productive or as productive as they can be given the given the situation so I'm not seeing a, a, a huge fall off in, in productivity. I think there are challenges that leaders are having to face, which is, mm -hmm. you know, suddenly kids are at home for a lot of people, right? And suddenly, uh -huh. okay. Yeah. And you have partners that are working. Both of them were used to working. So neither of them cannot just afford to focus 100% of the time on the kids. And mm -hmm. so I think businesses are trying to figure that out. And what's happening is, you'll have a lot more shifting in when the work occurs. And so I think an enlightened leader says, I don't care when you get your work done as long as you get your work done. So, right. and this I think has implications for businesses too. So one of the things that I think if you had, let's say you had live chat from business hours in the US from nine to five, I think you ought to think about 24 seven live chat because there's a lot of time shifting going on and if you were a global business, mm -hmm. you already had this. But if you were just a U.S.-based business serving U.S. customers and you thought I could, you could have helplines open 9 to 6, I think what people are finding surprising is they're getting site traffic in the middle of the night. And it's not global. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just because that's when people can sort of find quiet time. Right. So, again, your question was about productivity. I, I think if you hired well in the first place and you train well and you motivated well and you had a purpose-driven organization and the people you hired were aligned with that purpose you're not going to see a line a loss in productivity where you will see real issues and this is where weak companies will break down is if your purpose wasn't clear and your employee base wasn't very happy this is going to be a very challenging time to, mm -hmm. to sort of mend that fix that problem Right. And, and as you said, like a lot of companies are opening like doors to, you know, remote workforce. And now it has like become a norm for all the companies that they, like all the employees have to work from home. So it could, it could form a habit for a lot of companies as well as a lot of employees to start working from home. Many, like there was, there was some, I heard, I heard on some podcasts that, you know, a lot of their 
employees or, or company's employee when they start working from home in the last two three weeks so they would they were feeling a more productive i think it was by call trick some survey that a lot of companies employees are working are feeling productive like you know if they're when they're working from home in the last few weeks due to this covid 19 situations and this would open a lot of doors for new doors for any company right now now since the companies also you know like habituated to their employees working remotely so it could open doors to all the new talent in the world so what do you think about that i think it's true i think one of the things that companies forgot about and in in many ways is training and i think that there's going to be uh, talking about new business opportunities is training people how to work from home productively and and it's just because you need to form new habits right you you're now suddenly you know i mean the tendency is oh this is great i can work on my couch and i can dress in my pjs and i can keep on my slippers and all of those things which you would think you might do because when you work from home on a Saturday or Sunday, that's sort of the way you behave. I think mm-hmm. uh, employees have a new, there's a whole new training of, of habits and healthiness and, and communication. So time management is something that I think companies are going to need to, to uh, teach. And for example, when do we stop working? Right, uh-huh. we're, we're, you, yeah. you get up in the morning, you make your coffee, you sit down in front of the, your computer. Next thing you know, it's eight p.m. at night, and you've worked mm-hmm. twelve twelve hours straight because hey, I'm I'm just doing it, and right. people are still there, and you're on the Slack channel, and everybody's, and that's not healthy either. So I think again, I, uh, enlightened companies are going to train their workforce how to turn on, how to be productive, and then how to turn off mm-hmm. because that separation doesn't exist. And you know, a lot of us were sort of had no separation between work and uh, work and home anyway. But I, I think that's problematic long term. Uh, mm-hmm. You want a healthy workforce, you need to teach new healthy habits. And so the enlightened companies are going to be training and really thinking about a healthy work at home workforce and, and the implications of that for their business. Right. And I think just like a CMO should or any marketing leaders in any business currently should focus on uh, their employees, if if they're you know ensuring business continuity, and you know if if they are productive enough, or if they're focused enough to do, and if they're comfortable enough to work. So basically, as just like marketing leaders should focus on their employees, uh, and this whole new behavior from these employees, because you may say right, uh, suddenly there could be a spike in the in late night because that's when your consumers or your customers are available because of this whole situation so how does what can cmos or what can marketing leaders can learn about this new customer behavior from this pandemic well the customer behavior is is interesting and i think it has implications not just for how you service them but also how you market to them so one of the cmos that i talked to this week was realizing we got to just look to see where they happen to support uh, their target is developers and so they just really spent a lot of time figuring out, well, where are developers spending their time now? And it turned out uh-huh. there were five or six websites that they had really gone to and where they had little chat groups going, where their community was sort of aggregating and talking about the challenges that they were facing. So that's where they've uh, been marketing. And by marketing, a lot of companies right now are just thinking about, here's the content that you need to help you get through this moment, mm-hmm. as opposed to, hey, buy my product, because 
you know, that you needed in this crisis. It's more about here's how I can help you. And, and that's always been a good strategy for, for content. So mm -hmm. in terms of customers, let's go back to your first question, which is how can we think about customers and, and really, I think everything now for every business is, this is the time to show your true colors in terms of what, what does customer devotion mean to you? And right. does that mean, so if you have workforce, let's say you had an outbound workforce right now that was dedicated to going to events and traveling and meeting customers, and you had a, whatever that sales staff is, those people should be shifted today if they weren't already to be mm -hmm. calling every single customer. And I don't care how many you have. And I mean, on the phone, mm -hmm. <laughs> talking to them and saying, how are you? Do you have enough toilet paper? I mean, just <laughs> really very basic things, right? Mm -hmm. So that they have a sense that on a human level that they've connected with every one of their customers. And so there's, there's staff that's underutilized right now because right. they were used to doing something else. Find a purpose, find a use for those staff that is, and I don't think that was your original question, but anyway, mm -hmm. it's an interesting yeah. thought. <laughs> interesting, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I have, I have like one situation for you, you know, so imagine this whole, this whole pandemic is the coronavirus pandemic and imagine you're the, you're the leader at, you know, the Corona beer company. And so how would you react in, in such situation? <laughs> You know, that's, that's uh, an interesting question. And, and I, I think I would really think about, I, I don't, first of all, I, I think I'd be doing a lot of research right now mm -hmm. to, to see how people are thinking about it. And one of the things that, you know, Corona is a brand that has a lot of, a lot of strong fans right. and it has a, a lot of moments. And I think they, they probably, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of their business was on premise, which means that it was dr drunken bars. So their business is probably hurt pretty badly right, <laughs> right yeah. now. And, yeah. and I don't think necessarily that, that a strong advertising campaign is necessarily going to help them in this moment. So I think it's really for them going to be about what do we do afterwards you mm -hmm. know, when this thing is over. During it, I, I think they're, they're kind of in limbo. Mm -hmm. I, and I, honestly, I think that's a pretty lame response, but I, I, I think they'll be fine afterwards, if not, if not better for it. And, you know, there's certainly awareness <laughs> of it, but I, 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 it's a good question is, will it do long-term damage to their brand? I don't know mm -hmm. the answer to that. And I, I would want to do, uh, this is where, you know, customer research is available. So I'm going to, I'm going to weasel out of that question. I, right. I don't know. Mm -hmm. the, I don't know the answer. I think that there's some research out there that will help guide them. Uh -huh. Maybe you should host uh, the marketing leaders on your podcast. Ah, yes. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I have a feeling they're, they're feeling tremendous amount of pain right now. Uh -huh. Yeah, but maybe, maybe after this whole thing settles down, you can talk to them about you know, like, you know, how did they tackle this. And they could create, I think they could create a good playbook about, about this situation. How do you go about this? Well, you know what's so interesting as you as you talk about it is if you think about brands and how they built the relationships with the consumer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and this is the difference between B two C and B two B. I think a, mm -hmm. a lot of B two C brands have built, and particularly beer brands, have built their their brand around a location and around a, a physical experience. And I think right. that's really hard in this moment. So mm -hmm. if you're used to uh, building your brand around, like uh, Corona is about 
a beach experience, right? Mm -hmm. Being on the yeah. beach every time you drink. And all of us right now, I think, feel very good about that. If, if we wanted, right now would be a very good time to want to be on the beach, <laughs> right? <laughs> Except we can't yeah. be. So, you yeah. know, that, that it, but they can't do that they can't build that experience because that happens in a bar that happens at a, at a, at a party. And, and mm -hmm. none of those things are, are happening. So I think for a moment, they have to just sort of uh, stand by that's mm -hmm. a really tough, tough thing, but they will be one of those brands that will welcome and celebrate when we can all come out of hibernate hibernation. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, so that was my last thing. And uh, let's move on to the, you know, lightning questions or rapid fire questions. So uh, I believe like a lot of people, uh, like many people on this planet now would have a lot of time, right? So what, what are some of the favorite books that you could re uh, recommend to the listeners? Oh, gosh. Are there a lot of them? Uh, there's so many. Well, so I'm a <laughs> I'm a, a Ben Franklin nut, so about, I'm just, he's my hero. He's one of, one of the sort of most amazing gentlemen who have lived on the planet. And so I read a lot of his, but I don't know if that's going to work for others. I think this is a good time to go back to classics. So read Good to Great would be, would be a good, Jim Collins is Good to Great, because I think that what's going to happen when this is over is you're going to go back and you're going to look at what are the fundamentals of running a company. Right. Uh, because we've been focused on crisis, but I think we'll go back to fundamentals and, and that's a good, a good fundamental book. Right. And, and, you know, so, so my next rapid fire question would be like, you've been in, in this for 40 years. So, you know, what keeps you going? What's the motivation for you? So what I love about this business and, and I have been what I call a, a perpetual perennial student uh, I don't think you can ever stop learning. I love that one of the great gifts of having a podcast is that I get to talk to chief marketing officers every week and, and often more than one a week. And so I learn from them. And that's what keeps me going is that, you know, every time you think you've got this, you don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's always something new. There is. And, and I think that's the key is the minute you stop learning, you stop living. Right. And I think this would be a great time for a lot of people to start taking those online courses and, you know, learn something new, get like, you know, up your skill game, get, get something, get yourself equipped with new skills that are out there probably. You know, and I think that's interesting and a lot of, and it's funny because the, the CMOs that I'm talking to are busier than they've ever been. So they're not mm -hmm. having free time. And I've been crazy busy as I've been working with our customers. So I haven't been thinking like the employee who may have a little more time on their hands. And mm -hmm. for those, uh, I think marketers are smart to think about, okay, how do we create learning courses that are of value? Mm -hmm. And that's a marketing opportunity right now is, is, really quickly ramp up your your e-learning and and teach your customers a new skill yeah that's interesting yeah and if like you know if the current you could call the 25 year old you what would you say to him the 25 year old me would would have been writing more then mm -hmm. i didn't start blogging i don't think until about 15, 20, 12, about 20 years ago, I guess. And mm -hmm. I wish, you know, 30 years ago, I started writing because I don't think you really understand anything until you write it down and, and mm -hmm. get it and form, an, form a, a cohesive argument. And so I wish I was writing more back then. Amazing. So that, that's it then. Uh, like, you know, thanks. Thanks a lot, Drew, 
for coming on the show and sharing amazing insights. Well, I'm so delighted to be here and, and kudos to you for, for doing this show and staying up on a Saturday night to record <laughs> it. And I, I wish you the best of success. And, and I hope all the listeners appreciate the effort that you're putting in to mm -hmm. produce this show because I know it takes a lot of effort and I, I just hope uh, everybody uh, appreciates it and listens, mm -hmm. uh, listens and shares it to, uh, yeah. to their communities. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Drew. Thanks a lot. I put, okay. Yeah. Take care. Yeah.